Ryan, buddy. Yes, Philip. You're here. I'm always here. Welcome to the house. <laughs> I live here now. It's um, true. My wife has now just officially realized I have a second address. It's true. But I've noticed out of your locker, you've taken your microphone and a list of topics. So I'm pretty sure that means that we're going to do an episode. I'm excited. Let's go for it. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock, the show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Neighbors Don't Knock. That's right. Season three, episode 18. Chugging right along. <laughs> Speaking of uh, chugging, I'm so happy. Cheers, to, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, I'm so yeah. happy to have a bourbon with you tonight. This mm-hmm. is wonderful. You know, Woodford Reserve, whenever you feel like getting around to having a listen, you should really consider officially sponsoring the show. I, I know, right? It's always better. But you know what? It, even if even if bourbon's not your your jam, you know you can grab whatever beverage makes you comfortable, whether it be coffee or you know you can make it Irish, <laughs> or you know or just juice. You know what? A nice nice little glass of milk. Milk. <laughs> little little warm glass of milk. Soy milk. If, if you're well, I'm depending when they're listening to this, it could be getting ready for bed. Need a little nice warm glass of milk. Listen, I tell you what, whatever floats your boat. But I am actually really excited to get into today's episode because there's quite a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on in the world. There's, yes, the world does not stop spinning. It's true. But in this episode, we are going to share our thoughts on the unthinkable tragedy that happened on the set of rust in hollywood this Ooh. past month yeah rough 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 on the more positive note though we're going to talk about entering the giving season which is basically my favorite time of the year it's everyone's favorite time of year well i, I shouldn't say that it's my favorite time of year as well though i'm but, looking but for, for different reasons fair enough i'm looking forward to hearing if you have my same fear about these rising prices kind of putting a crunch on the giving season mm. We're also going to check in with our dear friends, Jamie and Pete, who are sponsoring us this season from the great Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho project. Yes. And and make sure you guys stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about next week's special guest and unusual guests. That's right. Guests that we're going to have. Plural. That's right. I know. Surprise, surprise. Uh, But before we get going, we want to let you know that Neighbors Don't Knock is produced by CNG Communications. CNG specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial, media, podcasting, radio, and more. They combine years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales to offer big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page or email us directly at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. So getting right into this, and I know we were we kind of like to joke on the show. And for those of you that have not listened to the show before, uh, welcome. We love having new listeners. Uh, go back and subscribe to the podcast. You can check out all our previous episodes from seasons one and two. Fantastic lineup of guests. And we are already have a fantastic lineup of guests for next season coming up. So you're going to want to make sure you subscribe. But, you know, we joke around a lot on the podcast. And I know it laughter is sometimes the best medicine. But this one's hard to swallow. It really is. 
it, it's tough to get right into such a serious topic, but I feel like we just can't avoid it, right? Because I never thought in my lifetime I would see another accident involving a firearm discharging on a U.S. Hollywood movie set and killing somebody. I thought Brandon Lee would be the last one. Yeah, and for those of you who are on the younger side of the audience and don't know, Brandon Lee, son of Bruce Lee, the famous kung fu uh, master, uh, he was an actor and he was on doing the movie The Crow and was killed uh, by a, a gun that was supposed to be a blank or something that was, I, I can't remember the exact story if it was, I don't know if it was a live round, but it was shot at point blank range or something and, and killed him. I'd, I'd have to look that up, but, but he was tragically killed. Well, that was back, that was back in 1993. Yes. And what, what it actually was, was the way that they used to do the hauled out rounds. Um, oh, th- oh, that's right. And now they've changed the way that yeah, they do that. Okay. Pieces could be left. So, so a piece, I, I knew it wasn't like a live firearm, but I knew there was something to it. Yeah. It was, it was a piece of a 44 caliber slug that broke off and actually wound up hitting and killing him, which is really just really tragic. Died way too young, way too young. Um, yeah, he was 28. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that makes you think like you think we learn from these mistakes. Right. And and it's hard to say it's a mistake because, you know, they're still figuring things out and they're going to continue to figure things out over the next couple of weeks, months and even years, I I feel. Um, But unfortunately, you know, someone lost their life. And, and someone else was injured and it not only someone lost their life, it affected their family. It also affected everyone involved with that movie. You know, you have to think about now people, are they going to try to go back to work at one point for that movie? Or do you think that movie's going to shut down? You know, I don't know what they're going to do with this one out of respect. And also um, just the fact that it involves Alec Baldwin, I think, presents a little bit of a wild card. with Yeah, a high profile name, you know, and he seemed to be shooken up about or he, he got really shook up about the, the whole event. You know, um, it, it is a high profile name. and He did seem uh, seriously shaken by the whole thing. But beyond that, he's also been a very, very outspoken anti-gun uh, voice for a long, long time. So to have this situation pop up uh, with him involved, I'm very curious for the future of the film as well. Yeah, it, it would be very interesting to see. You know, it just begs the question, do we continue to use guns the way they are used in films today? Or is it now we need to go to complete prop guns and just CGI it? I tell you what, before we go that deep into the bigger sort of philosophical questions of this, let's make sure we're on the same page of exactly what happened. Okay. Right. So so what we know at the time of this recording, at least, is that a loaded revolver was handed to Alec Baldwin. It is a prop gun. And who now, said he didn't know it was loaded? Indeed. Prop guns, in fairness... A lot of people misunderstand what that means, right? Because like you were talking about uh, and, and the big I, question. I, yeah, I'm, I'm talking like rubber, you know, right. complete, so, unusable right. functioning. So, so historically with, with these Hollywood films, prop guns have been actual weapons, some of which are antiques, like is the case with this particular weapon. They are capable of firing both real live fire rounds and then Hollywood style blanks. And blanks are used for various reasons. As a gun owner and as a, a regular shooter, I do find something interesting about the choice to use a gun that's capable of live fire when you're filming these movies. And the reason is the weapon, even when it's not a fully packed round, 
it does react to firing off a blank in ways that are at least a, a somewhat of an approximation of shooting a small caliber live round. So you get. So you're thinking you're you're basically saying you they'll lose authenticity of how they handle a gun in a film if they are just CGIing well, or adding effects to it and not actually having the reaction. Getting that shot can be very, very difficult. Now, hang on. Now, what else do we know about this? We know that... Not enough. Well, what we do know is that the assistant director, a gentleman by the name of Dave Hall, had handed the gun over to Alec Baldwin and called it very loudly proclaimed it a cold gun cold gun on meaning set. not there's nothing in it and it's not there's no round there's nothing in it at all right this is the standard term for one of these prop guns to make sure that it has been completely unloaded we also know that he's admitted to the police in an affidavit during the investigation that he actually didn't check it before handing it over he yeah he's getting fired <laughs> well there could be criminal charges we don't know by the time this episode drops there might be criminal charges yeah Obviously, a live round had made its way into the weapon. Well, right? and that's gonna that's gonna be where the investigation that we're gonna find out in the in the months to come. You know, it, it's it's gonna change the rules of how guns are used and checked, and it's it's almost like like there should be someone that's doing it anyway. But now, kind of like you know, when nine eleven happened, in airports and security, they just everything got heightened, right? I don't think we had that back when, and the reason we brought up Brandon Lee was I, I don't think that that necessarily happened. I think it was tragic, and someone we looked at it more as a fluke. But now seeing that happen, and then years later this happens, it's just like all of a sudden, especially this day and age, when everyone has to be accountable for something, right? So I, I just think that that is the result of what what's going to happen. So I, I agree with you about the authenticity of of having that because i as an actor who's actually had to use a gun not on a set to fire one but i i was um in a production of anne frank and i i played a, a nazi and it was the scariest thing to hold a gun to someone's face and now in rehearsal we had like a a, a plastic you know gun or whatever to use and then on stage though it was a weighted you know, it, it was an actual old gun, but they, you know, it couldn't fire. You couldn't load it. It couldn't do anything. But again, someone was responsible for getting that back each performance. And that was still feeling the weight of that and holding on stage, holding that to someone's face. It was, and especially in that circumstance, a very heavy show and something as heavy as, as you know, the Nazi party and, and, you know, the Holocaust is, is a lot of drama and a lot of emotion and that just added to it. But it, there's something about that, that just, it, I, I don't even know how to describe yeah, it. It's a heavy steel killing tool in your hand. It yeah. would certainly affect the performance. I think so too, but this is what totally fucking baffles me, man. So again, as a, a shooter and as a gun owner, first of all, I, I, I'm not a big uh, Alec Baldwin fan in terms of his politics and his sort of public life. I love him as an actor. I think he's tremendous. But I, I will say that I'm impressed with almost everything that I've heard about the way that he handles firearms during these movies. Because evidently... Well, I mean, it's good. That's good. Yeah, evidently he takes it very seriously. He's very afraid of them. He doesn't like them. He doesn't want to make sure like, no kids are around when he's using them. This has all been over the news for, yeah, for yeah. weeks now. It is mind-blowing to me, hearing about this, learning about this tragedy, that the procedure to hand somebody a weapon, I don't give a damn if you're setting up for a shot, an actual take, whatever it is, 
to hand an actor a weapon, call out, okay, cold gun, and then have the actor think that it's okay to just point that weapon at somebody. Hang on a second. This is like gun safety 101. Well, right? well, yeah, I mean, yes. Seriously, it's, no, it really is. It's gun safety 101. I have never ever been handed a weapon that i don't check whether i know what's loaded or not or someone doesn't tell you forget someone telling me you know i check but i'm saying you you should check but i'm just saying i've never you know because i've fired guns before but i've never i've always checked them and taught to but again someone who also is handing it to me to handle you know has also let me know what was going on which again then you should check so are you saying then on that basis that Alec Baldwin is part to blame. No, what I'm saying is that it should be standard policy in this sort of a rehearsal shot that they were setting up that he has to check. I don't personally... See, you talk, talk about a rehearsal shot. It shouldn't... I don't think it should be the actual gun. Well, maybe there's that too. Maybe, maybe that's in a, a rehearsal step you take shot. as well, right? Just for added safety. But, but at the very, very least, I think that... Every single actor should be required by safety standards across the board. That if you're going to be handed a weapon, oh, it's it's right, going to, before, the policy be, is going to going to alter as right. we speak. Before you start filming, if you're handed a weapon, you have the responsibility to be the last check because it just adds safety for everybody. So, no, to to directly answer your question, no, I do not directly fault Alec Baldwin for this, and I can't imagine what it's going to be like for him to live with this for the rest of his life it's got to be absolute torture for him and his family to be part of this horrible horrible accident i do think that it needs to live on in positivity as a way to change procedures well, because he should have checked and it's not that is going to happen and i already guarantee that that's already in the works the one thing that i don't and I'm glad to hear you say that but I, the one thing that I don't think is going to happen with this is I don't think anyone is going to get blamed for this well that's not true someone's going to get blamed for this but not the right person it's going to go down the line until the, the first person that they see that does something wrong it's going to it's going to get the brunt of it and then it's just going to be a lot of paperwork and everything but you know what I mean I, I don't think I don't and I, I hope that I'm wrong like you said, I think there's going to be a whole procedure change. I don't think we're going to get a res like um, an absolution or a resolve to this situation for a long time. I think you're right. But let's, let's circle back to what you asked at the beginning of this. You've already mentioned that on stage in your own personal experience, having the weight of the firearm, the experience of the firearm really sort of helped your performance and had a deep effect on you as an actor. Do you think that we should CGI it? Do you think that there should be no more guns on set? I, I think there, there, we can look at the idea of scaling back. You, you know, you, you talk about movies like John Wick. I must say, I hope they wrapped on John yeah, yeah, Wick because yeah, shit's yeah, about yeah, to change. You know, <laughs> you know, but, you know, we, we also know Keanu Reeves is an avid gun safety nut, and he knows how to handle all of those weapons. Not only that, but a very, very talented shooter. Yes, exactly. So I, I just, I think policies will change. I, I don't think... I think there needs to be some shift and I believe that they need to scale back who has weapons on set. I don't think I, I, I just personally believe that. And this is coming from someone who's used it. I, I get it. There is authenticity to it. It does help some kind of a performance, but you know, if you're, if you're not a main character, if you have, and, and I get main characters are not the only ones in films and plays and things like that, but 
actors are good actors. You're an actor for a reason. Well, I tell you what, if we ever get to the point where instead of holding a weapon, it's just the actor going, boom, boom, bang. My only request to the universe is that James Gunn directs whatever that is because he'll pull that off. He'll pull off the pew, pew. I did a play like that and it was written in and we didn't actually use guns because it was a comedy. And so we actually had to make, yeah, we had to do the finger guns and make the sounds. Nice. It was like that old, like, 1930s type of style of chase. It was like we'd run after each other, pew pew, you know, and everyone would run. It was hilarious. It was Very hilarious. Star Trek lower so, decks. I, like I know, it. right? All right. Well, let's move on from that. We do wish that the families and the crew and everybody involved in this tragic accident um, hopefully finds closure with this. Our hearts go out to you, um, and we just hope that there is some resolve and some ease of the pain. But moving in to a little bit more of a lighthearted note. It is the giving season. I mean, it, it officially is. Yeah. It's it's November, so it's the giving season. Yeah, we have moved into that time of thanks and time of giving when you see it. We have data about this, right? You see giving start to go up on a pretty steep Yes, rise. and not, not quite as much as it will jump in December. December's the big one, it, right? December's usually the big one. It's typically what they say is what about 30% you know, increase in, in charitable donations. Do you think that's because of all like the, the, the like 60s and 70s telethons and the 80s telethons? They, they were always in December, right? It was always getting close to the Christmas time. I'm picturing Joey Tribbiani from Friends at the telethon in a tux outfit, you know? Or, you, you know, go. what was it? Jerry Lewis, right? Jerry Lewis always did. He used to always hold, did used to hold the, host oh, the, yeah. the telethons. Um, I never called in. I never ha- I I never knew how that worked. I guess you called in and pledged, and then you were it was a promise, and then you had to eventually pay it. I, Dude, I guess you were like three. I mean, of course I, you never <laughs> called in. What are you talking about? I made some. Jerry, I, is this I, Jerry? I just want to talk to him. I just want to talk to him. Hello. <laughs> You rich Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, but in all seriousness, well, I know we're not we're hardly ever serious. Um, but we think that this year could be another rise in giving. I mean, at least I do personally. What do you think? You know, I'm not sure, man. I'm really not sure. It is super, super hard to go to the grocery store and swallow a ten percent increase in all of my groceries and still have cash for the charities. It's it's I don't know. This is gonna be a very interesting year. I mean, even even within the season, even with all the feels and the you know everything, and it's it's family and Look, giving. Don't get people me wrong; and, I always find a way to help out whenever and wherever I can. But I just think people have some tight situations going on this year. It's no, tough. I I agree, and it's it's. I think there is some comparison to last year still of struggle going on, and I think that's where the reservation is as far as. Um, giving and things like that for those that can give, I believe will give. And I think will give more than they probably gave last year. And, and I really believe that. I think compared to last year, giving should be up across the board. I mean, last year, everybody wanted to help each other, but everybody was also so, you know, steeped in uncertainty. And there were so, so many of us that were out of work. Well, that was the thing. And, and a lot of numbers show that people were, were that could give were giving more than they gave the previous year because of what was going on. Oh, yeah. 2020 saw some yeah. people that had the income were definitely, definitely trying to help out. And I absolutely love that about our culture. Yes. This country, it's amazing. You know, I tried to explain that to my in-laws. They, they just could not wrap their heads around the idea of 
of Americans being super, super generous. They were always taught that we weren't. They were always taught that capitalism is a very greedy endeavor, which of course it is. But with that comes so much wealth generation, right? And the ability to feed that back into various charities, systems, good causes. I'm, I'm deeply touched every year by what I see in, in that regard, at least. But you know what? There's other ways to give, too. And so when we say the giving season, we just don't mean in a monetary sense because there's lots of ways to volunteer. There's ways to help, you know, give toys, you know, help out in certain other areas. I mean, we, we talked about, you know, just calling up a neighbor and our neighborly advice. I mean, right there, that's that's giving. It's true. I mean, it, it really is. Although I want to ask you about this. I, I saw something and I didn't even realize this was a thing. Virtual volunteering. I have never heard of virtual volunteering. I, I had never heard of it either. Apparently people have been doing it. I, I totally get it. Educate me, good sir. Well, I, I um, you're talking to someone who's just learning about it, so I don't know how much education I'm going to give you on it. But I, I had to think about it. I know it. it's called virtual, <laughs> virtual volunteering. volunteering. Anyway, next segment. <laughs> I, I will say this. I had me thinking. I was like, how can someone volunteer virtually? But then, you know, someone that decides to volunteer to make calls for somebody or help them out, um, you know, reading to someone in the hospital or, you know, there's all kinds of, of different ways that I, I was like, OK, I can totally see that someone is just basically working for free, giving their time. I, I mean, I, I can see that. It, I don't feel it's a big thing, but apparently it's bigger than I thought it was. That's super, super interesting. You know, it, it kind of makes sense. Once I tried to volunteer at MD Anderson because I had a friend who did that. And the, the basic gig was just go around, you hang out with patients that are there that are getting cancer treatment. And um, some of them were, were in the process of dying. Some of them were in the process of full recovery. Just kind just of just giving them human contact. Yeah, just and human then, contact. Right? Yeah. A lot of it was bringing magazines, sitting down, chatting, asking if they needed anything, that kind of thing. I can see how virtually you can contribute to those sort of environments i'm a little hesitant to totally like nod my head in agreement that it makes sense because there is that human contact element that you can't get through a yeah but and again i understand where this is all coming from because we just coming from you know 2020 well, where, effectively, where, where everything was virtual, yeah, you know, in that sense, you know, effectively all hospitals still have restrictions on how many people can be there. So that makes a lot more sense in that regard. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of fundraising events that people are volunteering to help out with that are doing stuff online. So it doesn't even have to be a face to face. But so there's a lot of things that people are doing and a lot of behind the scenes things I, I feel that are, are happening. I'm still one of those. I like to be in person. I, you know, I know it's still being cautious these days about being in person and around certain situations, but we used to, my wife and I during Thanksgiving week, uh, we, you know, on Thanksgiving day, we, we used to do uh, some kind of volunteering, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, meals on wheels or going to a hospital to deliver cards to people and things like that. A lot of that you can't do anymore, but there's still stuff that needs to be done. No, for sure. And you know what, if you, if you like using your hands, um, I did Habitat for Humanity once that was absolutely amazing. Pounding nails. It's, it's a, it's exercise. You're outside. You get to contribute. You get to help. It's a good out cause, but and and you know we are not model citizens by saying that you know our our busy lives that we're like well I'm going to volunteer here and there, but we do try. We do try. We we do try. We we all need to do better. And yep. I, I speak for myself because it shouldn't just be at like Thanksgiving, but it's just this time of the year. I feel more motivated, and I shouldn't. 
only this time of the it's year. A big deal. And you can give so much. You can give your time. You can give your blood. You can give semen. Whatever, whatever pops up. <laughs> is that, is that, what, you, is that you what you're know, giving? Hey, bodily fluids. You know, because you know. we need more more little golferies running There's around. Donations <laughs> are donations, buddy. <laughs> Hey, it feels good. I mean, it's fine. You're no, just going for the magazines. <laughs> the videos. In, in all honesty, uh, I, I I do take the whole blood donation thing very seriously. And a lot of people don't realize this. ERs are still being overrun. And it's not COVID anymore. Now what's happening is all the people that put off treatment because of COVID. Yeah, it's all ca- catching, catching back up. Yeah. They need things like blood more than ever. So there are ways to give that don't involve a penny. It's just a bit of your time, maybe having to deal with some yeah. blood collection, things like that. But but I mean, this this starting this season, this uh, as we get into November and this December, which is one of my favorite times of the year, because the sense of people coming together and, and things like that, and I just I just love it. I mean, find a way to give to somebody, you know, in some small way. I, I, I challenge you guys out there and listeners out there and, you know, let us know, uh, email us, uh, send us something on social media. I, I'd love to see it. You know, I, I really would. And, so. and speaking of giving, I mean, that that brings us to our final segment, Brian. Today, we're really blessed to have two people who do nothing but give. Before we get to them, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, let's take a moment to talk about the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho. This season, Neighbors Don't Knock is brought to you by supporters of this 501c3 nonprofit that will provide a home to come back to for those who don't have one. They're doing incredible work by offering temporary housing for women of all faiths and backgrounds between the ages of 18 and 25. Brian, that includes women aging out of foster care, discharged from the military with trauma, or pregnant for the first time with nowhere to go. Operating according to a trauma-informed care model, the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho will foster emotional intelligence, confidence, independence, and utilize recreation for healing. To learn more about this important work and how to help these young women heal, learn, and grow, visit their website, sacredheartranch.org. Philip, I'm really excited that we actually get a chance to speak with a couple people right now that are near and dear to us. And we want to thank them because one of our sponsors this year is the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho. Indeed. Yeah, they are near and dear to us. And and I just absolutely adore what they are attempting to put together. It's a gigantic project that they're working on. In fact, just to read very clearly, the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho, their mission statement is centered in trauma-informed care. The mission of the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho is to provide housing, support, and unconditional love to young women during difficult transitions in order to help them heal, grow, and learn important skills before moving on to the next stage of life. And it's hard to find something more meaningful than that. That's a really wonderful mission to have. Absolutely. So we're going to get them on to talk a little bit about their mission, about what's going on uh, with the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho. So we'd like to welcome uh, Pete Espel and Jamie Teton, the founders of the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho. Hey, guys, how are you? Groovy. We're great. How are you? Thanks for having us on. Love it. I love the groovy and the great. I I like the the back and forth. I was like, I I was expecting like a unison, but I I think it makes more sense for you guys to go in your own way. (laughs) Um, Where you guys are in Idaho, um, you have been doing a lot of work on the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho. Tell us what's going on with that. Well, we are in the fundraising stage, and um, I'll let Jamie kind of answer that because she's 
kind of heading that up with someone else. Yeah. So uh, Sue, one of our fundraising uh, chairs, uh, she, she is our fundraising chair. She and I are heading up the fundraising and it's been going good. I, I feel very good at where we're at. Um, we've raised uh, since January about $175,000. And while that is a long way from our goal, we feel every time I tell someone how much we've raised, they're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. And so I feel really good about it. <laughs> and I try not to look at the big number that we're headed for. Um, but but we do, we feel really great. We actually just um, this morning had another legacy gift, um, which will be in the six figures as well. So we've had one legacy gift in the six figures. Wait, wait, so, wait, can I, can I say it now? Can I say that's amazing? You totally can. <laughs> I was, I, when she said the 175, I was totally one of those people that want to go, that's amazing. But yeah, <laughs> so, but no, I, I'm very excited and, and congratulations on on that that means that things are going in the right direction so yay so i, yay. I I'll, I'll do i'll do a dance there's my <laughs> dance philip i've so, done a few dances <laughs> <laughs> i i it's my happy dance i, I occasionally b- break it out on the show right? so in terms of the overall goals for the fundraising stage of this project are there set markers you need to meet to be able to move on to x y and z phase of of getting this open yeah so so the goal is to acquire property and a home and so because we are sacred heart ranch it's going to be a large acreage well large in our sense we're going to be at least 10 acres um and so our goal to get that as well as a couple years of sustainability is 2.3 million to get wow yeah that's that is a big number that's a big number when I say big number, yeah. So the goal, the reason behind that is that um, we want to provide a safe, secure place for these young women. So we do not want a monthly mortgage because if the world falls apart and the money goes away, it's easier to sustain um, not having that mortgage. That makes perfect sense to me. Pete, tell me, uh, ideally, out of the gate, how many young women are you intending on having at any given time on the property? Uh, total guests will be six at any time. So the reason for that is it's a family style model. This is very different than what a lot of places do. We want to avoid the institutional feel. We want to avoid the group home feel. Um, we want people, not numbers. And so we'll live together, work together, play together, eat together, recreate together. Um, and so we want, like I said, we want that family style feel. So six at a time is the, is the max. And, and I think that's great because if, for those of our listeners that don't, aren't familiar with you guys, uh, Pete and Jamie are married and they are a powerhouse couple going at this, which is really great. I think it's wonderful that you guys are devoting yourselves to this. Um, and so how has that been for you guys on your relationship specifically? Is it, is it added any more challenges? I mean, taking on such a large project? We're a powerhouse couple when we go at each other. Too. <laughs> so, we, we, uh, we work pretty well together most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we feed up, we feed off each other pretty good, you know, and, and we, uh, he has strengths where I don't and I have strengths where he doesn't. And I think we, for the most part, you know, I mean, any couple has their issues. I mean, come on. It's kind of like, 
Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> oh, there! I, I I love that though. I, I really do. And and you know, for our listeners, Jamie, we first of all we wanted to welcome you back, and I'm sorry that we didn't do that before because our listeners, Jamie, actually was on one of our Christmas special episodes, and you in season one, and you can go back and check check that out and listen to that. And we got a chance to hear her sing a little bit, but Pete, this is your first time joining us. You know, we, we know that Jamie's had a lot of stuff with music and things like that. When you're out and about, I, I hear that you, you are a hunter. No, or you like to be out outdoors. You're a very outdoors guy. Uh, I like to hunt. I also trap a lot. I run a lot of trap lines on my days off. I Okay, you have to explain do- that a little bit because I was like I was thinking <laughs> trapping and hunting were the same thing. So and I'm and I know Phil's uh, looking at me like, come on, man. Trapping is like what the mountain men did, you know. So I trap coyotes and stuff on ranches for ranchers to help protect cattle and stuff like that. Um and uh I hunt a lot. I like to hunt, uh, I like to bow hunt. Um but I also do other things. I mean, I like martial arts. I, I like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, and then See, I, I could not last. <laughs> I would so not last. <laughs> You're talking about very manly things. And I'm just like, like I, I could probably hang for like half a day. I'm, like, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, for, for all of our <laughs> listeners, Brian is actually over here. He's already breaking a sweat just hearing about <laughs> this. That. I, th- that's amazing, though. That's amazing. But, you know, okay, so you guys both have hobbies and, and careers and things, and you come together to do this project, but you also do other things together. And, and I know you guys are really big in, in sharing this mission, but you also have worked with the youth both in, in different capacities. Tell us about that. Well, I've worked with teenagers and young adults for 26 years. Uh, 13 in full-time ministry, and I uh, worked in detention centers, group homes, shelter homes, schools, private schools, public schools. Uh, I currently work as a counselor at a local agency, and about 70% of my clients are teenagers. Has that played any part of of this uh, mission that you guys have moved into with Sacred Heart Ranch? Yeah, well, the trauma-informed care part, you know, that's something that in the last, really the last 20 years with neuroscience and advancements in, in neurology, we've been able to understand more about what happens to the brain when it experiences trauma. And we're finding out that a, a ridiculous number of young people uh, have trauma who are oftentimes sort of, it's mistaken for something else. And it has been for a long time. And now we're finding out it's really a, a trauma issue. Uh, we're also starting finally in this country to do a little bit better job taking care of our veterans. Uh, but it's a big deal and it requires a special uh, modality to treat it in counseling and it requires certain things be in place uh, for a trauma informed care model. And so you could, you could be trying to do the right things on one side of it, but on the other side, if you don't have these other things in place, it's not going to be very beneficial with the ranch, it's going to be located once you get the property, it's going to be in Idaho. But mm-hmm. are you guys going to be looking at young women from other areas, other states, or is it going to be primarily in that location? Well, we certainly wouldn't turn anybody down from somewhere else. However, uh, the folks we've talked to who work with the gals um, to get them out of sex trafficking and things like that, they could fill it up tomorrow. If we were open, there are plenty of people just even locally, not even statewide, just locally that we could fill this home with. 
So our hope is that because we're making this something that can be replicated, maybe some other folks around the state will jump on board and start one and then maybe out of state as well. But again, if we have an empty room and someone calls and they're from another state, we will take them. We're not going to say, no, we're waiting for, you know what I mean? If, if someone calls from another state, we'll take them. Yeah, I'd like to flesh that out a little bit because, Jamie, when you were on the show with us um, during the holiday season, it was the first time, obviously, I had the opportunity to meet you and, and hear about this project. And since then, and since we've been involved um, with, with the generous sponsorship and, and trying to help kind of get the word out about what you're doing and sort of make sure people have you on their radar, in terms of your overall vision for the product, you mentioned that you're, you're going about it in a very uh, reproducible way. So is that the entire design from, from top to bottom where you design this to be sort of a blueprint for other people to then basically duplicate wherever they need to duplicate this? Yeah, that wasn't the initial thing because we were just like, we saw the need here and here's what we wanted to do. But the more we talked about it, the more people that came to us going, oh my goodness, I know of so-and-so in this group and this group and just Pete's agency, I mean, would probably keep us full. So you think of all the agencies in Twin and all the agencies in Idaho and all the agencies around us, so that's when we started realizing, oh my goodness, so we're small, we can't, it is replicable, it can go in other, you know, so in fact, we just actually had a uh, district court judge from Northern Idaho contact us and say, hey, I deal with this all the time as a judge. Um, most of the young women who come through here from the, the mental stuff, mental health stuff, and the, you know, uh, incarceration and all those, these things have dealt with trauma. And so he's like, do you guys have a binder? Do you have a folder? We would like to start one up here possibly. And so I'm going to have a conversation with him next week to say, we're not up and running yet, but there is a huge need for that. So yes, we're hoping that people will go, oh my goodness. And that they'll jump on and go, yeah, we could do this where we are. So that's the hope. Wow. That's tremendous. Well, yeah, yeah I, I really hope that it does take off in more ways than one and, and give you guys even more avenues for this to, to grow. Um, and hopefully the way you, you envision it. For those of our listeners that want to find out more about the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho, you guys can go to sacredheartranch.org or you can contact us at admin at neighborsdontknock.com and we'd be happy to give you more information. You can find out information about how to get involved, how to donate to this wonderful cause. Uh, and what we're looking at a large goal, but what are ways that people can contribute if they can't contribute financially? Well, there are a lot of ways. Um, they can pray for us. They can help put the word out. Yeah. Putting the word out is probably the biggest thing. You know, we're not doing this to make money. We're, we're not going to be have. We're not going to have exorbitant salaries like a lot of nonprofits that you hear about in the news. And so, but we need to raise the money to get this thing built. And and the more people that talk to other people about it and share it with other people and and identify potential donors and stuff like that. That's, that's, that goes so far in helping us with fundraising. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's worth its weight in gold. And we appreciate you guys helping us get the word out so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's definitely <laughs> our pleasure. So, so tell me if, if you don't mind where, where exactly are you? I mean, obviously you have the, the fundraising goal and that's to purchase the property to get the house up and running. Um, what are the next uh, immediate steps that you're taking with this project. Help our, help our listeners understand exactly where you're at with this. Are you touring around? Or are you just working with uh, local governments? How does it, it look for you on your daily kind of well, to-do list? Jamie is going out and, and meeting with potential donors. Um, we just had a ribbon cutting to, spray, to, to raise awareness with the Chamber of Commerce. Um, I'm going around to area businesses. Some of the pushback we're getting from some large corporations and large donors is we want to help you once you're up and running. 
And that's something we hear a lot. Um, however, we can't be up and running without the home. And so I'm working to get sustainability covered. So I'm working to uh, with local businesses to say, hey, can I get a pledge from you guys to help us with a certain amount for three to five years. And that's where our listeners, that's where you guys come in, you know, spread the word about the Sacred Heart Ranch of Idaho. You can find out how to get involved again, that their website is sacredheartranch.org. And if you can't get a hold for some reason, you can contact us here at Neighbors Don't Nog, and we will put you in contact with Pete and Jamie specifically. Uh, we might even do the one better and set you up with a personal phone call. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And, and a personal plea, please do leverage social media to every uh, possible extent that you can out there. I mean, if somebody can go viral for throwing their burger back into a drive through window or some nonsense <laughs> like that, we can certainly get this to be passed around the, the country and around the world. I didn't know anybody need. saw me do that, okay? I'm so sorry. It was actually a boomerang. Is that what oh, you call those videos? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah, and there was a really embarrassing one of me like doing this little dance move on stage that someone did it. And it <laughs> anyway. On the TikToks yeah, on, or whatever. On the, the talk. Yeah, on the tick I'm, of the talk. That's I, right. I, I'm not very good at helping <laughs> spread the word via social media. That's sort of outside of my wheelhouse. But, uh, but we want to thank you guys for taking time to come on with us. We also want to thank you for your support of the show. We are uh, big fans of yours. So we want to thank you personally for that. Just for clarification, you are uh, already a registered nonprofit. Yes. So these are tax deductible donations. There's all the incentive in the world to go ahead and support this pro project. I think that there are few things, at least in my, my sort of field of view, there are a few things that I've come across in, in recent day that is as raw and emotionally tangible as this project is. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, do you guys have any parting words for our listeners? I have one thing to say. A, a luxury that many people have who come from, from healthy or functioning families is between the ages of 18 and 25, if something goes wrong, you know, college doesn't work out or you come out of the military early or you go move away for a job and the job falls through or whatever, you can come home. But that is actually a luxury and it's becoming more and more of a luxury uh, with every passing year. And Sacred Heart Ranch is the home to come back to for those that don't have one. Well, I think that that hits the nail right on the head and, and thank you for that. And honestly, if there's any more that we can do, never hesitate to let us know. And again, to all of our listeners, please do take the time to just click on the link. Just look up what this is all about. I, th I think that the website really explains itself. It, re it really does. And it is the season of giving. So, you know, look a little bit to a, something to give to something even bigger than you were thinking for this holiday season. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. Well, you guys have an open invitation anytime here at Neighbors Don't Knock. Thanks, Brian and Philip. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thank you both. All right. Brian, buddy, that's about all I've got today, man. Thank you so much for coming by, hanging with me. Oh, it's bit. always great. I enjoy a nice glass of whiskey. And you're, and you're fun, too. Oh, thanks. It's not, it's not just the whiskey. <laughs> it's not just the whiskey. I appreciate that. I know, I know. Uh, but as our listeners, as we promised, we have an announcement for our upcoming guest for next week. Yes, plural, that's plural. That's right. Chris, Sean, and Scott, three police officers, or coppers, from Chicago are going to stop by the podcast to talk with us. They, have a, they host po a podcast called Three Cops Talk. 
and they discuss everything from police brutality to racial injustice to domestic violence and more. And it is in hopes to unite police and civilians through a successful conversation. We cannot wait to talk to them. It's going to be great. It's so cool. It is so cool to get their perspective on things. But listen, if this is your first time tuning in, don't forget, go back, check out previous episodes of Neighbors Don't Knock. We've had fantastic guests in the show. We, uh, we, we do our own banter about every other episode. And then I guess every other episode is worth checking out. Subscribe to the podcast. Don't miss new episodes every Friday. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll see you next week. Peace out. <laughs>